Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast, sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Today, I'm talking to Martinez Evans from 300 Pounds of Running, and we're doing something a little different. This is part one of a two-part series. We're splitting it because we were set to talk about his recent article that went viral, an open letter to race directors from the back of the pack. But we started by talking about how he found running, weight loss, and the setbacks that he faced after his first marathon. And I think that his running journey is really important. Running is hard, weight loss is hard, and he faced setbacks. But I think it's important for all of us to remember to keep going. And it actually reminds me of this quote that I really love. And I'm this isn't exactly, but basically, there will be setbacks. Success is determined by how you handle setbacks. And that's so important. And I think it's a reminder because it's not just about running. It could be about life. It could be about not getting into the school that you wanted to, not getting the job, not getting the guy or girl. Just there's so many times in life where we face the setback and it is really hard to think I'm going to have to start over. And that's what he had to do. And I also really identify with his running story. He started running to lose weight. And it has grown into a love of running and also this kind of very long-term journey that isn't now about weight loss. And I feel like I identify with that so much. So yeah, the first part of this is going to be about his running story. And we chat about that. And then next time, it will be about the letter that went viral, the open letter to race directors. And I will put a link in the show notes to all of that at runeatrepeat.com. And in case you're new here, after that whole spiel, I'm Monica Olivas, and I created runeatrepeat.com to document training for my first full marathon and weight loss journey. And while I was sharing my life, the site grew into a huge community online, and now it's this podcast. You can follow along at runeatrepeat on Instagram and get more info at runeatrepeat.com. Let's start with the warm up. I listened to a TED Radio Hour podcast a while back that really stuck with me. And there's been a couple of different situations in the last few months when, since I've heard that show, that it's kind of popped up in my head again. And I think it was a show about kind of what makes us us and basically kind of forming your identity and using your voice and things like that. What really stuck with me was that one of the speakers and the TED Radio Hour is when they kind of bring together a bunch of different TED Talks on similar kind of topics and put them in one show. And one of the speakers was a college professor. And I think she said that she has her students write a story from a completely different point of view. So it cannot be from who you are normally, your normal narrative. It has to be like a different gender, religion, age, economic level, like everything has to be different. And how important it is to put yourself in someone else's shoes and how hard it is. And that has really stuck with me because it's easy to be compassionate and kind to someone that thinks the same as you, that makes the same choices as you, that has had the same experiences, right? When we can identify with someone and connect with them, it's easier to have compassion and kindness towards them. But when there is someone that you just have nothing in common with, and it is so hard to see their point of view, it's really hard to be open, to be open and to be kind and to advocate for them potentially, right? And this kind of reminded me of it, us us talking to Martinez today, because of the fact that he did get a lot of pushback on the article that he wrote. And I'm sure it's pushback from people that can't relate, right? And I mean, even though I identify with him on a lot of things, I don't completely identify with his race experience. And he came out kind of swinging with the article in that he cusses in it, like big deal, who cares? Um, But it made me curious, like, why are people offended by this, you know? And it just reminded me of this talk and about how maybe, you know, we wouldn't be so quick to 
fight back to someone, even if someone, because it is really hard to not fight back if someone is coming at you aggressively, right? It's hard not to be defensive when you feel like the person is really coming at you or coming out the at the world. But if you kind of take a second and you think like, where exactly are they coming from? And not just like in theory, big picture, but really like, how do they feel right now? How do they see the world? What has happened to them every day up until this point that they had the reaction that they did. And that's hard to do when it is your sibling or your parent, like someone that grew up in a similar situation as you, right? But sees something different, let alone your partner or someone that you work with that has a completely different background from you. It's a challenge. If you really think like, let me see this from this person's point of view. And let me at least try to understand why they think the things they do, why they say the things they say, why they reacted in a certain way to me, why someone that has a politically opposite view or a different religious view, like what led them to this day today where they are saying or thinking these things and just truly put yourself in this person's shoes. I just think if nothing else, it makes it easier for us to kind of connect and be kind, right? If you realize that we're all just doing our best, like every choice that we're making, every interaction, we're just doing our best. We are just trying to take care of ourselves and the people that we love. And so even if someone is doing something that not only do you disagree with, but you think is legit wrong, if you put yourself in their point of view, it might make more sense to you. And until it makes sense, it's hard to really connect and try and bond with them and potentially share your point of view. Cause you don't even know exactly why they think the things they do. You're just trying to convince them without understanding. It's just not super effective. And I just think that if kindness is awesome and this just is another way and really a deeper way to be kind and compassionate. So I kind of want to encourage you to consider doing this. Like the next time you have an interaction with someone that seems like you don't really see where they're coming from, put yourself completely in their point of view, head to toe. Like why are they saying or doing the things that they are? Because imagine if you did that all day, like with every person that you interacted with, you were like, who, who is this person? why are they this way? This reminds me of like that meme that's like, why are you that way you are like talking into the mirror? But I don't know. I think that's just like potentially a very healthy, awesome exercise to help us like grow as people. And I just randomly wanted to share that because I have been, there are sometimes podcasts that really stick with me And whether or not you agree with someone or you would ever live your life the way that they do. And I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but when I tell people sometimes I am a runner and they're like, I would never do that or I can't do that or whatever, they come out like kind of aggressively saying like, I hate running. And it's like, okay, that's cool. You know, but if you had the journey that I had in life, And if running made you feel the way that it makes me feel, you wouldn't hate it, you know? But I just wanted to share that. And I will put a link in the show notes to the TED Talk because, again, I I listened to it months ago and I kind of remember it. So I wanted to reference it. I listened to another podcast yesterday or the day before, actually, that I said, I put on my Instagram story. I just listened to a Tony Robbins podcast that changed my life. And it really did. But we're going to have to save that for next time. Because as it is, I already had to split this episode into two. Let's not make it three. And let's get to the interview. Martinez Evans is the founder and voice behind the blog and podcast 300 pounds and running. It's been featured in Runner's World, Self.com, Live Strong, and more. He started running in 2012 after his doctor called him fat and basically laughed at him when he said he was going to run a marathon. Since then, he's run over 30 races and has been an inspiration for larger runners around the world. 
Lately, he's the talk of the running community online with his recently published article that went viral, an open letter to race directors from the back of the pack. We're getting into all of that and more. Martinez, welcome to the show. Please start by telling us how you got started on your running journey. It all started with me in 2012. I was somewhere around 360, 70 ish pounds. I uh, really don't know what weight it was because any of the scales that I hopped on had a weight limit of 350. Uh, worked at men's warehouse selling suits pretty much on my feet all day eating trash. And I walked into men's warehouse one day and I had this sharp pain in my hip. This pain in my hip led to me going to uh, physical therapy for like 20 some odd weeks. And then I found myself in front of a orthopedic specialist who had horrible bedside manner. So this guy was like, Five five, 125 pounds soaking wet, very thick accent. And he looks at me and said, Mr. Evans, I know like why you're in pain. And I'm thinking like, what? I got to have like hip replacement or whatever, whatever. Cause I'm a, Hey, I'm a big guy. I, I play collegiate football, you know, I play high school football. So I just know I got a, a lot of injuries that I'm dealing with. So I'm thinking it's going to be one of those things to come back and bite me in the butt. And he looks at me and says, you're fat. he looks at me and says you know mr evans you're fat so he he goes on this whole thing of like you need to start walking all this stuff you know you have fat your your stomach is fat as a pregnant woman and it's going on like these old insults right so (laughs) you're you're like okay this is my official medical diagnosis (laughs) (laughs) so he's like going he's going in hard on me and i'm six three like I said, 360, 370 pounds overlooking him. And I'm like, first of all, don't you know I can squash you? And second of all, like, you know, screw all this. So he going back me and I got upset. And I said, well, screw you. I'm around a marathon, you know, not knowing what a marathon was or whatever, whatever. I'm just saying just talking stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So he laughs at me and says, this is the most stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. So we go back and forth and I end up leaving that doctor's office like, Angry, upset, mad, you know. And on my way home, I, I drove past a feet fleet, uh, fleet feet, and I walked in there and I see said I need running shoes and I need them now. And that was kind of the start of the journey. I got some running shoes. I downloaded like seven Couch to Five K apps. I think that was a little excessive back then, but uh, I guess that's my uh, thorough, my very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> and I got on there. I got on the treadmill, set that bad boy to like 6.7 and failed miserably. Like I couldn't do the 30 second interval of week one, day one of Couch to 5K. Couldn't last 15 seconds. I just felt like my body was rejecting the treadmill or the treadmill was rejecting me. Uh, but I felt miserably that day. And, you know, I went home and I talked to my significant other and I have this tattoo on my right wrist that says no struggle, no progress. It's like one of my favorite quotes from um, uh, from Frederick Douglass. So she's like, you know, well, you already know what this is, like no struggle, no progress. So the next day I got back at it. I did 20 seconds instead of 15. The next day after that, I finally did 30 seconds and did like the first two intervals. We couldn't finish it. And then the next day, I just kept coming back until I was able to finish like week one, day one, a couch to 5K. And it took me about, you know, a good two weeks. Mm -hmm. I really like that you say that, though, because I didn't start running. Like, I never was like, I'm going to run. I walked for a long time until I kind of got bored. And then I would run for a little bit and walk like I I can't imagine how unpleasant it would be to from day one if I would have kind of just been like, all right, I'm a runner today because it is so hard right. and we don't realize. And those intervals are awesome. And I love how you kind of made it your own. You you tweaked the couch to 5k to work for you so that it was building up until you could complete week one, day one versus, I mean, the other option could have been to quit, right? Exactly. To not do it. That is awesome. So you eventually build up to being able to do the workout as prescribed. Did yes. you keep going from there or what happened next? Yeah. So I, I finished cost of 5k ran a 5k, but one of the things I also noticed is that, um, for slower runners like myself, like cost of 5k is not enough. So 
most couch to 5K programs end with 30 minutes of running straight. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, like I was finishing 5Ks in like 45, 50 minutes. So when it was like run 30 minutes straight and then I look at my, you know, Nike app, I'm looking like I had, I still got a lot of more stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of build out my own little thing to uh, keep it going until it was time for me to run the 5K. And then, you know, I ran a couple 5Ks and I was like, well, this is it. I like it. And kind of built from there, downloaded another three or four 5K to 10K apps. <laughs> Never just one. Never just one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Never just one. And, and, and progressed on that journey. So did the 10K. And then from there, downloaded a bunch of 10K to half marathon apps. At this time, I'm spending money on these apps, right? <laughs> because, you know, the five, couch to 5K is usually free. But when you get into like the half marathon stuff, mm-hmm. that stuff ain't free. And so I'm buying all these apps and, and did a few half marathons. And then at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for. So I signed up for Detroit Marathon and um, downloaded a bunch of more apps. <laughs> And uh, train for the marathon. And at that point, that's when I learned that all these training plans, they're not set in stone. So you can mix and match. You can change things around. You can change days. And my marathon training was very, I want to say fluid. Like I I was following like three different programs kind of just mixed together. And that's when I really found that like, hey, I can do this because before then, like, I'll just pick one, like, out of the four or five that I downloaded, you know, do I like the voice? Does it work with music app? You know, does it have GPS? Like, all that other good stuff um, that you had to deal with in 2012 when, like, the running apps were just coming out. And just follow that plan all the way through, like, very methodically. Mm-hmm. But when it came to, like, marathon training, that kind of went out the door because it was a completely different beast. Mm-hmm. Were you still using an app at that point or what training plan did you kind of build up to? Yeah, um, I was still using an app. I was usually doing a mixture of, I don't know, running world. Runners world had like this um, app, like a marathon app or whatever, whatever. And you put in like your time, your half marathon time and then your date of the marathon. And it like gives you a training plan. Um, so I use that with a mixture of the Nike stuff and like Runkeeper mm-hmm. and kind of mixed and matched that stuff because I didn't know the running lingo. So there was like, you know, five miles hill repeats. I didn't know what that w- was. I didn't know what strides was, you know, a fart licks. And so when it came to that, I was like, oh, I don't know what this is. Well, let me go on week five, day six of Nike um, running program and see what, let me see what they got there mm-hmm. because I just didn't know what that stuff was. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is I kind of feel like we really do almost have to use all these different resources because that's what I've had to do in the past. You know, like I didn't, I don't think I just have one place where I figured this all out because everything is all, you know, random, you know, uh, just like, what, what the example of the fart leg? I'm like, where did I learn that? And where <laughs> did I learn about hill repeats? And wow. where did I learn about the, you know, 800 meter repeats? Like, just, I, it's been a bunch of trial and error, you know, wow. and just figuring that out. That's so interesting. Were you doing a walk run program for the full? No, I did a full, uh, I ran it straight through. Mm-hmm. That was the hardest thing ever. Like after I graduated from couch to 5k, like everything was just straight running at that point. Mm-hmm. And is yeah. that what you're still doing? No, right now I'm currently doing uh, a Galloway method. So I'm doing a walk, a walk run anywhere between uh, a 60, 60 interval or a 90, 30 inter- interval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I keep hearing more and more about that. And I was actually curious. That was one of the things I wanted to know, because I know with the couch to 5k, most of those programs seem to be, a walk run and then mm-hmm. it switches it up and suddenly it, it's not anymore. And I do think 
oh, especially as you get longer and longer, if you're going to take a walk break, I mean, I'm taking walk breaks. I walk up hills in a marathon for sure. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if I'm going to walk, I'm going to make it worth it. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, and it's better just to have those programmed in. So yeah, there's a ton of interesting, you know, studies that he's done to figure out how long to make the walking intervals that are ideal for someone. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I kind of want to look into that more cause I'm super curious about it. So with, what was your first marathon? Detroit? Uh, Detroit Marathon 2013. Awesome. How'd it go? It went good. I think I finished in 645 on a, um, I think it was a seven hour course limit. So I finished in 645. It was pretty, pretty decent. You know, awesome, um, yeah. I think as a back of the packer, I had some interesting experiences, but I got there. I finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you run alone or were you with the group or anyone? That no. You know? I, I ran by myself. My girlfriend at the time and my mom was there and they they had all types of interesting journeys while in downtown Detroit because I'm originally from Detroit. So they'll just do stuff while I was there. And then I'll call them once in a while and say, hey, oh, hey y'all, I'm here. And then I walk to go see me and then they'll go do whatever world they was go doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I, I ran by myself. Amazing. Amazing. It's so just your first marathon. I just feel like there's nothing like it because it is so intimidating. It's so awesome. It is, (laughs) especially when you don't, when you don't, when you don't know what to expect, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is before, like, like I keep telling people this is 2013. So YouTube was there, but it wasn't many people like recording like their whole race experience with a GoPro. Mm -hmm. So you can only go off of what you read in runner's world. And I was like, well, it's Detroit. I know it's relatively flat. You know, there's a few bridges. I think it's cool that we get to go over um, the ambassador bridge into Canada. And then we get to run through the tunnel coming back from Canada to back to Detroit. And Did I was they like, stamp oh, your passport? No, they didn't. Oh, it's unfortunate. It is <laughs> because like they had us bring it. Like I ran oh, a marathon. Funny. I was just joking. <laughs> I ran a marathon with a passport. <laughs> he talking about bring it because at first when you sign up, they had you put your passport information in there. But on the paperwork, when you get it, it's like you no. Know, even though you put it in, you still need to bring your passport because they will randomly stop people to check. This their is passports. ridiculous. I cannot believe this. This is so funny. I must assume is this still does this still happen at the race? Like are people still going into I'm Canada for sure? I'm oh not my sure. gosh. This is really funny. So funny. And it it's so kind of like emphasizes how far away I am from mm-hmm. where you ran your marathon because I'm just thinking, I wonder if there's a race in San Diego where I'll run into Mexico. Highly doubtful. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> It's a a little bit of ways away. Uh That is so, but that's super awesome. I love that little fun fact about it. When you finished, because this was something, obviously, that you said you wanted to do, was it like a bucket list thing? Was it to go back and tell the doctor to suck it? Like, did you think that you were going to keep going or you just wanted a one and done full marathon? Um, at that point, I definitely wanted to keep going because, you know, I, I created the blog and I was journaling with it and, you know, that had got some notoriety and, you know, I had lost at that point, you know, weight loss was one of my focuses. Um, it's not now. Um, so like following this whole weight loss journey and, you know, talking about what I ate and uh, how much weight I lost and things of that sort was, you know, one of the driving points of it. But I think I, made one of the cardinal mistakes of like training for a marathon that most people rarely talk about. And that's post-race depression and, you know, not having anything on my calendar until the following year. So Detroit marathon is, it's, it's usually October 18th. So it's like in the middle of October. And then, you know, afterwards you got like NYC. So a lot of people go there. And then like, I feel like from there, um, in the New England Midwest, like race season kind of dies down. Like you might have a New Year's run or like a turkey trot, but like the race season is kind of over like after NYC. So mm-hmm. I didn't have anything planned until the February. So I got into like this real bad depression. 
about running. Like, I don't know if I want to run anymore. I'm sad. This sucks. You know, were you living in Detroit at the time? No, I was living in Connecticut. Okay. So, you know, I was just going through all of this. Like, this sucks. I'm sad. I don't know if I want to run. And I think one of the things is if I just had another race on the calendar that I had something else to look forward to, um, I don't think I would have had that that adverse reaction. Mm -hmm. But since I didn't, it was downhill. That Yeah. And I'm sure the weather doesn't help either. You know, if you don't have something to work for, it's that much harder to make yourself get outside when the weather's challenging. But I did want to ask too, since you mentioned about the weight loss, how much weight had you lost at the point where you ran the full marathon? Close to about 80 or 90 pounds. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so awesome. Um, A question that I get, a common question that I get is how I lost weight. And this is kind of a funny thing. I didn't expect to really go here when we were talking because we have a lot to, we have a lot to talk about, but I have definitely found that running a full marathon is not super helpful to weight loss. Like those two things don't necessarily go it's hand kind in of hand. An oxymoron. Yes. Which is very surprising. You know, was that your experience at all? Like I, I think that training for a half marathon or 10 K it was easier for me because it's easier to kind of pay attention to your hunger and fullness and know, Mm -hmm. you know, fueling and fatigue and all of that. When you started to train for the full marathon, were you continuing to lose weight at that point? Or what was that like for you? Um, I think I've gained uh, when I was training for that. I gained some weight back. I think most of that weight loss came during that whole 10K to half half marathon status. And then once I got into full marathon swing, I definitely gained some weight back. Um, and, you know, I, I talked about it, but and I was kind of like a little defeated because, like, like I said, I was learning all of this on the fly. I didn't have any running friends. So to even know that that's kind of normal especially when you were like trying out goose and chop blocks and sport beans and pretty much any other sport nutrition I can get my hands on to figure out like what doesn't mess with my stomach. Nobody tells you about that. Right. Yeah. Especially when you're starting out. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. And I kind of feel like I thought it almost didn't apply to me because I had weight to lose. Mm. So I thought, Yes, some people gain weight when they're training for a marathon, you know, because they're tiny and they're like retaining water or they're just eating more because they're treating themselves after. But I actually have like some weight to lose. So, you know, it doesn't apply to me. And then when I was doing it and like you said, it is kind of surprising because, yes, this is all a new process. And it is like, whoa, this doesn't make sense. I'm running so much. If you look at like your weekly mileage and that's just the realities of it. Exactly. And and that's one of the things as a newbie, you you just don't understand. Right. Once I pass the threshold of running like a half marathon to full, everything changed. You know how and where I'm going to run 18 miles in a neighborhood where I'm usually sedentary. You know, how long is this going to take me? You know, what is my significant other going to do for that? six or seven hours I'm gone for the whole you know for the whole day right yeah and and (laughs) and the fact that I don't really want to do anything after like (laughs) exactly no I don't want to go to the movies (laughs) you know this is before all the fancy movie theaters came up but you know they still had the old seats no I don't want to be go to the movies and be cramped my legs all cramped up in the seat I just want to lay on this floor or on the bed and watch tv or get this ice bath so you know it's a lot of things that like once you take that plunge from half to full that it's it's, it's almost like forbidden territory or like it, it's territory that I wish I had somebody. Right. I wish I would have had some type of tips or, you know, somebody to do this with me, but I did it on my own. So, yeah. And it's awesome that you did, you know, and that's one of the the cool things about having a website, you know, you documenting it is sharing that experience. So other people then, and that's why it's so popular can learn from the lessons that you kind of processed. Exactly. Love Uh it. So what happened after you had another race later in the year 
And then did you make another goal marathon or were you just kind of like picking races that fit into your schedule? At that point, I started, I was just picking races like, all right, this seems cool. Their medal looks nice. You know, let me get as many races as I can that I can afford. But I did have like something tragic happen. So um, after, after the marathon 2013, uh, like I said, I didn't run any races uh, until like the next, the following year. And then in January, the end of January 2014, I got in two car accidents. So I got in one car accident. Um, in January and then I got another car accident in July. So that put me down for pretty much all of 2014 and then getting back into running. You know, I was already sad because I ran this marathon. I had this marathon depression, get finally get excited to get back into running because I got all these races and then like that whole year just be done. Right. And then after that, dealing with those injuries from the car accident getting back into on the saddle and then like dealing with Achilles issues. So that 2014 era was pretty much done. And it took me back until like uh, mid 2015 to 2016 to like run more races. Were you able in that time to keep the weight off? No, I gained every single back, every single pound back plus some. So hard. Were you active at all or were you pretty much benched? Uh, I was benched. And this is the thing, you know, especially like dealing with these car accidents, like the first car accident, I got in a car accident with a a mail truck and it was their fault. And, you know, I want to run. I want to get active. Doctors telling me not to run. You know, I'm also dealing with lawsuits and things of that sort. So lawyers is like, you know, don't run. Don't do anything of this stuff that's going to, you know, affect lawsuits and things of that sort. So I was just kind of benched. Mm hmm. It's until so like, all hard. that stuff is done. And it is hard because when the spring comes back around um, in New England and, and you're driving and you see all these runners and you're just sitting in the, in the car looking sad like a little puppy, like, I want to run with them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so hard. Even when you can run. If I see mm-hmm. someone sometimes that's like running on a pretty day, uh-huh. like, you know, later in the day and I even did a couple miles that morning, I'm like, hey, runner. Like, hey, I like that, too. You know, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) you're just like, oh, that looks like fun. I do that. (laughs) I run, too. I like that. Hey, I like that. Yeah, it's like so funny. So it's so, so hard. How did you start back up then in 2015? Did you go back to um, 5K mm -hmm. and just build back up? And that's where it was during that time where. I, I just stuck with intervals. I just stuck with the Galloway method because a, I had, you know, this Achilles injury and I really didn't, I was still kind of nervous about that because I went through so much to like get that healthy, like ultrasounds, uh, like shockwave treatment, you know, prolotherapy where they're giving you shots and like taking your blood cells out and shooting it back into the Achilles, like all that stuff just to get it right that I really didn't want to mess that up again. So I just stuck with Galloway intervals. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, hurt the Achilles on a run? Did you like, okay. I hurt my Achilles doing the runner's world run streak. Uh, And it was kind of foolish to me because, you know, it, runners wear one streak, for those who don't know, it's usually uh, run one mile, at least one mile a day. And for some odd reason, like I was running it so much and enjoying the runner's high that I was doing stupid stuff like run 10 miles a day or and living in New England, which is a, uh, a heavy, hilly place. And like just coming back, it was probably stupid. and. That's why I got injured. That's so like I feel like that injury when I hear about it, it really does bench people, though, for such a long time. And like you said, the process of coming back since then, since the couch of 5K and coming back, have you done half marathons and marathons again? Are you back to where you were before? Yeah, I would say even better than before. So that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I would say better than before. So, you know, just put things in context. What is this? Uh, In September, I did three half marathons. 
I did a half marathon about two weeks ago. You know, I'm, I'm stacking them, right? So I'm doing every weekend a half marathon, half marathon, half marathon, uh, just for the past couple months and training for New York City. So New York City, when this was recorded, is about 14 days away, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yes, countdown. So much buzz on social. I'm super excited yeah. about it. Yeah, and you know they just put out the new metal and they changed the design of it, and I think it's kind of dope. But so I'm just excited, like about the whole opportunity to get into New York. Uh, I got into it last year, but I had to defer. So all the training that that I've done, all the races I've done, is really up for this point here to run by far one of the best marathons in the world i would argue have you run it before no this oh this would be so awesome oh it's gonna be so so awesome that's really exciting i yeah new york is epic and i've only run it once and but i've run a lot of marathons and so like comparing it to everything else i'm like there's nothing like it it's so awesome yeah yay that's super exciting i'm Um, excited yeah so yeah that's coming up have you done a full marathon since or when was nope. your last full no not before since your injury yeah um just a handful just a bunch of halves and 10ks and so this would be my first full since running a full in 2013 mm-hmm. oh my yeah. gosh this is so exciting it's gonna be so amazing I am super excited for to so follow nervous. along. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be. I, I think this is one of those things, right? Like one of the big things with running half marathons or full marathons is in training. We don't run the actual race distance, right? Most mm-hmm. of the time, and it, supposedly, like you're fit enough to do it, so you don't need right. to go all that way. And you know your energy and the crowd, like er, the day like the vibe of the day contributes right to this helping you get across and i do think it is completely applicable like if for new york you know if you if you need that extra little push like that's where you're gonna get it i'm excited i'm bringing my gopro i'm going to chronicle the whole journey and like i'm trying to win you know so i'm just there to enjoy it take it all in so that can be the next, you know, the next point. Take it in so I can figure out what's going to be the next step for me. And, you know, moving forward to 2019, like I already have races on the calendar again. So after New York, I have Oakland Marathon and Big Sur already on the calendar, ready to go. And then I'm planning on doing my first ultra in 2019 as well. Oh, fun. Do you know which one? Um, I have a, I, I have a ideas of which ones I want to do, but I haven't settled yet. Mm-hmm. Very mysterious. <laughs> Being very mysterious about it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I have a few, but I, I haven't picked out that one yet. Mm-hmm. But is it getting there? Love it, love it. We're going to get into that letter, his experience at races, stories he's heard from other back of the pack runners, and more next time. I'll put a link in the show notes to his website, podcast, and the article if you want to check it out before listening to his explanation. And before we wrap up, I did ask him for his running favorites. So we'll do that instead of the awards today. This is kind of like his awards of all his favorite must-have running gear. I want to transition into asking you couple of wrap-up questions about your favorite stuff. Okay. I love this. Okay. Um, first, what is either the favorite like race that you've run or your favorite distance to run for a race? I say right now, I'm really loving the half marathon distance. It, it gives you just enough challenge without it being a full-time job. Um, so I'm really loving it. And I'm, e- I'm able to recover faster. And able to do, like I said, marathons weekend after weekend after weekend and still be okay versus doing 26.2 or 100K or 50K and be out for, you know, a week or so just in pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that I can have a half marathon. I just like has been my favorite forever. And I like that I can still have what I call a normal day after yeah. versus after a full <laughs> marathon. I just want to be 
Like, There's I don't even no know what to normalcy. say. Like, yeah. Like, I just want to kind of sit and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, too. What are your favorite running shoes, or at least the shoes that you're running, that you're using right now for training? Um, Currently, uh, I'm running them uh, Hoka 1-1s, Clifton 5s. That has been the sure choice this year. But I ran in a few other things. Uh, I ran in Pegasus before. I ran in Brooks Ghost and Glycerin. But it just seems like every so often, like once I find that shoe that's for me and I'm saying, you know what, this is going to be the shoe for 300 pounds and running, they change the dang design of it. And then I have to go out and find another shoe. Like I remember when they tried to make the Pegasus faster and like make it more responsive. To me, that just sounds like you taking away my cushion and it's going to feel like a harder ride. And then like going to the shoes, running shoe stores and they be like, oh, well, you know, it's weighs 2.5 pounds less. And, you know, that'll take off some time on your race. And I look at him and say, I'm 354 pounds. I'm still taking minutes and hours off my time that I'm not worried about a second or two. Yeah. Clifton's has been uh, my go to shoe this year because of the cushioning. But I, I've tried, like I said, I've tried a lot of things. But uh, that that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. And those are, they're surprisingly light yes. for how they look. Yes. I wish they were a little bit more stylish that I could like wear on a regular day and not get weird looks like, you know, you can wear a Nike, a, a Nike running shoe and like go for a run and, you know, go out to dinner and like be okay. Right. Hocus, not so much. <laughs> But you shouldn't be wasting other miles on them. <laughs> That's the pro is that you cannot waste other miles because it's funny you say this. I went to Disneyland last week, to last, oh, Friday before last week, and I saw some guy. This is so funny that you say this, wearing hokas. Obviously, they caught my eye because, uh-huh. like, yeah, they don't look like the random, like, street shoe. They look like a very interesting running shoe for those that don't know. Like it just like, it seems like it has the platform is like cushiony. It looks, it's like bigger. It just looks, it would be surprising that it is. So it's a light shoe, but it looks bulky. But my first thought was, what's he doing? He's wasting miles walking around here all day. And I get that. I, and like, and then I like make up this story. I'm like, I wonder if he has like some sort of injury. And like all of his other shoes, right? Like I'm just like, all of his other shoes didn't have enough cushion. So he's going to wear these. Cause outside of that, I am very big on like, you want to save those miles. Like we have, we have to switch them out. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that for the pro of them being a little interesting to wear to dinner. Cause they look like space shoes. Like they remind me, you know, when I first wore them and someone said something like, um, are you trying to dress up like Buzz Lightyear? Because <laughs> I used to wear them. And I was like, yeah, to infinity. They're just like, I'm going to put a picture in the show notes of it. Because it's like, it is funny if you don't know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So um, <laughs> last night I went out to movie and the dinners with my uh, with the missus. And I thought it was just going to be a casual night. Like we go to the movies, we go see a movie. And, you know, we're like, what are we going to have for dinner? So. Um, she's looking on an app. It's like, well, I found this restaurant that does like buy one, get one free. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. We go to like this Italian white tablecloth restaurant and I got on these bright orange hokas <laughs> in a racing hoodie. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, you need to get your casual gear up, man. You need to get some, some real good athleisure clothes because this is not cutting. And I'm like, I didn't expect to be here. <laughs> tall are you in those shoes like i just <laughs> i'm at least six five in hokas oh my gosh that is funny she's like, she's like um might want to consider stepping it up a little bit i feel like that's fair what outside of that what's your like favorite piece of running gear something you have to have to run outside of hokas let's see my race pack i use ospreys uh, race packs. The only reason I wear those is because they fit me a little bit better being uh, a guy of my stature. I would say this is a nice plug for my t-shirts. Uh, I, I created a shirt or a brand called Slow AF that 
everybody just seems to be smitten about. Like it has a turtle on it. I have one that has like a snail and like a sloth and it just says like slow AF on it and people are loving it. And, you know, I did it for myself. Like it's a selfish reason because, um, like I moved from Boston area to San Francisco area and, you know, clothes in general sizes are not the same and or I can't find my size at the same stores that I would be able to find in Boston versus San Francisco. So out of frustration of trying to find race gear or at least trying to find shirts that fit, you know, because, you know, these race shirts, you wear them so long, you just can't get the must out of them sometimes. Like even after you try like everything, like one lady told me to try uh, vinegar. Um, I'm tangenting, but uh, no, but I've tried that. So I'm following this. I'm following. I have done that. Yes. Because like I, yes, like this has happened to me where my favorite race clothes just like smell like, and I'm like, oh, come on. I love this. Yeah. It's something between like the sweat and the body glide that just gets in the clothes and you just can't get that funk out. I went out and found a vendor that provides, you know, uh, tech tees up to four X, some, sometimes even five X and I sell them on my site. So I'm really just a big proponent of just wearing my own shirts because A, they're comfortable and B, I find them easily and I don't have to go to no store and try more. Right. And it's fun if they have like something fun on them too. Right. And so that's the thing, right? Where you are a bigger guy, you know, you go to the plus size stores or, and everything's always in black, blue or gray and they don't have any cool sayings. They don't have any like funny running things on and things of that sort. So it kind of gives me the opportunity to make them myself. And if I like them, I just put them out there because I'm going to buy one for myself regardless. And people want to buy them. They can, but. Truthfully and selfishly, it's kind of for me. Boom. Fair enough. Are those just men's no. tech tees? Yeah. Or do you have- I got all of them. So men's, women's. Um, I got tech tees, tank tops, hoodies, and uh, like trucker hats. Boom. Perfect. What are you listening to right now when you are running? Right now, I'm kind of eclectic. So two things. Um it's either like 90s hip hop. So like, like real ratchet, cash money, back that ass up type music. Or <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so like that always gets me. Like regardless, you put on back that ass up. I'm done. Um, other than that, uh, iTunes, I have a couple playlists that I use. And I think my favorite one is the Southern, I think it's called Southern Hip Hop Essentials. Let me pull out my phone and check. Uh, I think it's called the Southern Hip Hop Essentials. And that's been one of my favorite ones I've been listening to lately. Yes, Southern Hip Hop Essentials. So I listen to that one. And there's another one called Hip Hop Workout um, that I also listen to. And then when I'm not listening to like play mix, uh, playlist, I usually just listen to like whatever's new out. Like Nicki Minaj came out with a new CD and like my last few runs has just been powered by like her whole CD. So, uh, like whatever's new out, whatever's like catchy, like Travis Scott got a, a CD out that I'm just loving and I'll just listen to the whole CD while I run. Other than that, like podcasts. So. I got all the running podcasts queued up because I just like to hear other people running stories. Serial, that's always a good one. Um, Are you listening to the latest? Yes. Okay. I haven't. I I think I'm going to because I I actually, funny enough, listened to a podcast about podcasts that are about crime podcasts. And they've been talking about Serial. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. Like, (laughs) they've convinced me. Yeah. What, What else do I listen to? You know, there's a podcast called The Read. Uh, I listen to them. They're pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, that's about it. I love and, it. And then my podcast, 300 Pounds of Running Podcast, I listen to that too. I think that's interesting to like be a podcaster and like listening to your own stuff and like me going back and like listening to my first couple of interviews to, to like provide critique because I'm listening to it with a different ear. 
Oh, for sure. Well, I don't want to listen to my first few or my first like 50 because they're a little painful. It's like yeah. going back to my first blog post where I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is mortifying. Like, well, what was my deal? What? I didn't know how to work a camera. Like, I, what is just like it's so horrible. The things yeah. that I the food that I took a picture of that I'm like. This is just, why did I put this on the internet machine? Yeah. This is ridiculous. And my first couple of podcasts are like that, but I feel like, yeah, listening now to try and figure out like what you want to change, how you want to improve. It's funny, but it's important. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. And my favorite question, what is your victory lap after a race or a long run? What do you like to eat? Oh, this is easy carrot cake i'm obsessed with it i love all forms of carrot cake and it's like the vegetable of dessert like you got carrots beta carotene you got pecans so you got iron and um other the other vitamins and minerals that come with it you got raisins they got your vitamin c and things i think it's just like the the most healthiest dessert you can have love it <laughs> love the like the, there's been some thought like you did not that, that, that was on the fly right now like i feel like you have put some thought into this carrot cake yes I, i'm so obsessed with carrot cake it's it's probably a problem like this is so funny where like where's the best carrot cake you've ever had oh there's been so many oddly enough i think the most consistent carrot cake that you can find anywhere is at the Cheesecake Factory. Like oh, they okay. have a carrot cake there that's pretty damn good. They also have like a carrot cake cheesecake. I'm really not a fan of that, but if they're out of carrot cake, just regular carrot cake, I'd usually just get the carrot cake cheesecake because all it is is really carrot cake just on top that's of cheesecake. a cheesecake. So I, just I would that. ask them, can you get me two pieces <laughs> of the carrot cake cheesecake and you can hold the carrot cake, but right. pile it, just charge me for one. That seems like the same thing. Other than that, like I've been to a lot of places. Like there's this place out here in San Francisco called Sprinkles. They're like a uh, cupcake cupcakery. Um, they have good carrot cake, nothing but cake. I think that's another place. I think that's kind of all over the place. They have great carrot cakes too. And the last one is this place called Susie Cakes. Oh my god. Oh my. I might have to go get some after we get done talking <laughs> because their carrot cake. It's like seven layers and it's just like tall. It's like a mile high carrot cake and it's amazing. Do they have that at Claim Jumper? Have you ever had Claim Jumpers? No, I haven't been there or know about that. What's that? Claim Jumper, it is like a I mean it's like a chain restaurant. Okay. I wanna call it like Marie Calendars, but fancier. Mm. Okay. Kind of. And they have an epic, like a mother low chocolate cake that has, they serve it like on its side. It reminds me of what you're talking about. And I feel like they might have a carrot cake too. Oh my God. I'm just so obsessed with carrot cake. Like it's, it's the thing that I go to after every race. Like some people do glasses of wine. For me, it's like, where's my carrot cake? Where's my metal? Where's my carrot cake? And I'm going to cryotherapy. That's that's usually the routine. Metal, care, cake, cryotherapy. I go to cry out therapy. It's different. <laughs> it's very different. But I have a similar kind of routine of metal, some sort of sweet treat, depending uh-huh. on the day, and then cry out therapy. Uh-huh. Does that very uh, similar? <laughs> does cry out uh, involve like something of a stick or a foam roller or? <laughs> something of that sort it depends some days it's a foam roller some days it's me sitting on a couch paying someone a lot of money to listen to me talk <laughs> it just it depends on how it goes right yeah who knows <laughs> but you are making me super want carrot cake there's this bakery i think it's like a cuban bakery near my parents house called portos that i had someone brought a carrot cake to like a barbecue recently and it was amazing, but it's only one layer. And I feel like mm. it has to be at least like a layer, you know? Yeah. It at least got to be two layers. It so you can get some of that to. buttercream in, in the middle. Yeah. And it just like it makes for a better bite. Like I am not – I like the cake aspect of cake more than the frosting, but the frosting has to exist. 
Like it has to be there and I need it to be more than one layer. So if you're ever in the area, we will have to get two Porto's cakes and put them on top of each other. Absolutely. Now that I have this theory. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I'll be now. Uh, you're in SoCal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I have a few races down there. I know Big Sur is not that close, but I, I want to do OC as well. And what's that like Ventura? I want to do Ventura as well. Yeah, Ventura is super awesome. That just passed us last weekend, but we have there's so many races around here that it's awesome. And well, rock and roll LA as well. Yeah, there there's so many races. It's it's awesome, and I mean, really any time of year. But you know, now that you live in San Francisco, that it's a yeah. good year round deal. That's one of the things. This is my first year here, so I'm excited to see what winters look like. Especially with me staying in Boston and the Boston area, and we got like 120 inches of snow um, last year and like a few years afterwards, like so much so that we was getting like, you know, 12 to 18 inches of snow, like all in one day that it's kind of interesting. Like I haven't seen rain yet here and I'm a little worried about the trees, but <laughs> um, I guess I'll get past that, right? <laughs> The the drought is real, but it's funny because I think, I don't know if this is really a Mark Twain co- quote, but I always say it, the, um, and I'm sure you've heard it being in San Francisco, that the coldest winter I ever had was a summer in San Francisco. Like I, being from SoCal, feel like San Francisco is really cold. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's all relative where I guess coming from Boston <laughs> with actual snow, it's not going to be so cold. It's exactly. very mild. Yeah. I'm still wearing shorts and um, when I went to go drop the missus off at work, I seen a lady like with a full on bubble coat and a scarf like wrapped around her. <laughs> yeah, head. it's, it's kind like, of freezing here. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> it is all relative because of where you came from. You're like, it is gorgeous out. And people are going to be like, oh, my God, it's so freezing. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm hoping that eventually my body gets used to it because I'm, I am driving the missus nuts because I still sleep with a fan on and she's like, dude, freaking freezing in here. And I was like, I am hot. Like I'm hot. I can't help it. I know that never, that never times up. Right. I feel like that we just like men and women have such different body temperatures that I don't know. That needs to be the next like shark tank, how we can all have like be in the same bed, even in the same room and be happy with the temperature of it. Yes. I, I think that's a whoever can figure that out. Oh, my God. It'll change everything. You, you're on to something. Because yes. I have literally have three comforters on my bed <laughs> and I'm like, I am sweating, babe. And she's like, I'm cold. I have thermals on and I'm just cold. And you got this fan on and I'm shivering. It's like. I am just sitting on top of the covers. <laughs> I don't understand how you're not how you how you're not hot. <laughs> yeah, no, I've super been there. I love it. So, how can we follow along, listen to the podcast, and see how it goes in New York? Um, all things three hundred pounds and running. So three hundred spell out pounds and running. So P O U N D S and running. Uh, you can find me at three hundred pounds and running dot com. Uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at 300 Pounds and Running. Twitter is a little bit different. I think it's 300 LBS A N D R U N N I N. You know, I just don't just don't know why they won't give me that extra letter so I can put the G on there. But um, that um, I'm on all things where you can find podcasts. So everywhere, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, or where you listen to this podcast. I'm there as well at the 300 pounds of running podcast. Our feed is pretty cool because I have two podcasts on one feed. So I have the 300 pounds of running podcast where I interview um, back of the pack runners uh, to talk about their journey. And then I also have a podcast called uh, the long run with Martinez and Latoya. And um, it's my good friend, Latoya Shante Snell, who has, she recently got viral about a year or so ago when uh, she was running New York city and like a heckler, like, like she got heckled and she kind of went viral because of that. And we talk about our journeys as back of the Packers. Uh, she talks about it from a female point of view. I talk about it from a male point of view. We just have a good time. But truthfully, it's just really uh, two friends shooting the shit about running. And for us, it's really like our appointment time to 
catch up with each other. Like when when we do that podcast, it's kind of a all day event. Like we'll talk on Skype for like three hours and then we're like, all right, we need to do this podcast. <laughs> and then the podcast for like an hour and a half and then afterwards go back to talking. So uh-huh. it's like just two good friends talking. So two podcasts, one feed, you can find that at the 300 pounds of running. Same thing. 300, 300, spell out pounds of running. And you should be, and you should be able to find it. Yes. And that it is. I really like that one because you feel like you are just running with someone, right? Like you guys were just talking about stuff, about running, about a race, about what's going on. And you can get lost in it. The conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's it. so fun. So it's enjoyable. And um, I think we actually coming up upon 200,000 downloads. Um, I think I probably got about a month and I'll be at 200,000 downloads. So uh, that's going to be a nice little thing uh, to have as well. Yes. Celebrate. That is super awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. You know, I'm ready to get to the point where I'm getting 200,000 downloads every episode, but I'll take, I'll take total for now. Right. Celebrate (laughs) every small victory. That's what we're doing. Martinez. Thank you so much and good luck at New York. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can see pictures and get the links to his website and all his favorite things at runeatrepeat.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you have 10 seconds, tag at runeatrepeat on Instagram and tell me what you're doing right now while listening. If you have 13 seconds, subscribe to the show. If you have 26 seconds, rate the show in your podcast app. And if you have any other seconds outside of that, text a family member, tell them that you love them. Hope you had a great run. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com. You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at Run Eat Repeat and on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash runeatrepeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.